Welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment, stick around. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yeah, the pun is totally intended. And now, here's your host, the Blind Jesus Freak himself, Mike Calvo. Hello there, welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak podcast number 13. Since we don't believe in luck, it is blessed number 13. I'm Mike Calvo. And I'm Jamie Pauls. Hey man, how you doing? Marvelous, thank you very much. And yourself? Marvelous, darling. Yes. Marvelous, you're looking marvelous. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, you're looking marvelous all the way over from Missouri. That's right, the show me state. Yeah, I only have eyes for you, Jamie. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so how was your week, man, after last week's uh, talk about anger and such? I feel all better and stuff. Actually, it's been a good week. Seems to have gone kind of quickly. Some weeks, you know, just drag by and some are almost half over and you wonder where the time went. Um, I placed an order for some Nespresso coffee earlier in the week and I'm expecting it tomorrow. So I'm all kind of a flutter about that. So. Yummy. <laughs> yes. My favorite coffee. I, I really do like that coffee. Arpeggio. Yummy. Well, tonight Lisa's not with us. Lisa is away, and I talked to her earlier. She's uh, getting over, as she calls it, the crud mm. again. So we'll be praying for her, and hopefully we'll see her next week. And there is a message a percolating in my heart. But tonight we're going to talk to you, sir. About some trials in your life. Well, that is correct, actually. Wow. Let me tell you. I mean, uh, trials. Whew, dude, this week for me has been, well, they say, oh, you know, you can't have a mountaintop experience without a valley in between. Hmm. And of course, the Christian tends to go from a mountaintop to a valley to a desert. And then, of course, people forget that to get to the mountaintop, there needs to be a mountain climb. <laughs> right. right. In between. And uh, and that mountain climb consists, in, at least in my life, it seems of five steps forward, 10 steps back, 12 steps forward, eight steps back, 20 steps forward, 25 steps back, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And finally, yes, we do reach the mountaintop. But boy, oh boy, the challenges and the trials. But it's awesome to know that God is uh, not going to abandon us in the midst of those trials. And as we look at those trials as a classroom and not a jail cell, as we've talked about, and as we do our very best not to get angry, you see what I'm doing here? We're ah, that's kind nice. of building. That's yeah, excellent. Yeah. And I think that your testimony tonight is quite relevant of some of the challenges where life circumstances, and of course, uh, with a good old healthy dose of the uh, you wait and seize from the enemy. Yeah really add up to be a very discouraging time sometimes for the Christian. And it's just wonderful to know that we serve a God that says, you can't, but I can, and I will through you. That's right. And I will make your circumstances into my glory. And that's wonderful because I'm so excited. I've just kind of heard the synopsis of your story as we, uh, because I, I don't like to hear the story and then, oh yeah, tell me the story. And then I can act surprised <laughs> when I get on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do that. So no. without further ado, please, I'm going to turn down my microphone. I'm going to uh, get a cup of coffee and I'm going to listen to a very riveting testimony from Jamie Paul's. Bless you, bro. It's all you. 
Well, thank you, Mike, and thank all of you who are joining us either live this evening or by listening to the archives later. appreciate the fact that you are taking time to join us on this podcast and really in this Bible study because this is much more than a podcast. It is a time of fellowship and a time of studying the Word. I'm going to take you back about 10 years ago, and honestly, I didn't even, the significance of that didn't even occur to me until I was preparing for this study tonight and this testimony time, and I knew what I wanted to share and what I believe that the Lord would have me share, but I didn't actually recognize the 10-year anniversary of it until just this week. In 2003, I was extremely busy. Now, that's not unusual. My wife and I are busy quite a bit. We like to go and do things, and I play a lot of music. I play keyboards, um, gospel, and a little bit of country, and um, certainly play at church and in some different bands and stuff. Do some music therapy and did a lot more back then before I, I came to work for a wonderful company called Sarotech. I still do a little bit of music therapy. They're gracious enough to allow me to still do some of that, but I did it full time back in 2003. And I was at a point in my life where I was really busy and really beginning to begrudge the things I was doing. I was not really as happy as I should have been, to be honest with you. Whether it was church, whether it was work, my wife and I were in the car so much together that we really didn't have any quality time together. She was my chauffeur more than my wife. That's a bad position to be in. If you're a blind person and you're married, um, if you can not let that happen, I would encourage you to not let that happen because that can be a bad thing. But in 2003, in the spring, actually, my dad came to me and said, hey, why not? Let's go to Branson. Now, for those of you who are not from Missouri, you may not know what Branson is. Branson is a like a music capital, kind of a small Nashville, if you will. You may have heard of Silver Dollar City. That's an old time tourist, you know, a, kind of a replica of, of old 1800s. Uh, and then in the last few years, Branson became a bustling music community. Actually, what it is is a lot of entertainers that can't travel on the road anymore who need to kind of settle down and retire come to Branson. And so you have some older entertainers and you have older people who come and, and hang out. But there's a lot of stuff to do even for younger people. So my dad asked me about just taking a little trip on his motorcycle, which that's my dad's only hobby is the motorcycle. I can honestly say that. He loves to ride the bike, as he puts it. And he'll sit with an atlas and just plan out road trips and take some of them. Some of them he never takes, but he he likes to route things. And so, you know, my dad doesn't usually ask me about things like that. And, and so I said, well, sure, dad, that sounds like a good deal. We'll take a couple, three days and we'll go down there. For some reason, I was kind of helping to plan the itinerary, and he told me, you know, let's just do what you want to do. And I was not really getting into the planning of it like I would have thought I would. There was just something kind of bothering me, and I didn't quite know what it was. Almost a cloud over me. I didn't really stop and pray about it because I was busy. (laughs) I just kind of uh, shrugged it off, I guess you might say. Now, Back in 2003, my wife and I both had cell phones, but she never had hers on. In fact, it became a running joke among the family and friends that you might as well not call Stacy because she doesn't have her cell phone on. I always had mine with me. Not one of the really nice accessible ones back then, but I did have one nonetheless. But the day that my dad and I left on our trip to go to Branson, kind of a cool, kind of a rainy morning. Stacy and my mother and my sister 
were planning to go do some girl shopping. They were going to go to a town about an hour and a half distant, uh, Kirksville, Missouri, which is where Stacy is from. And, of course, she knows all the fun shopping spots there. So the girls decided to make a day of it. My brother-in-law, Doug, was uh, working in South Missouri, I think, or somewhere down in there. Anyway, the girls were going to go shopping. So my dad and I took off on the motorcycle. And Stacy turned on her cell phone, turned the volume up, and changed the ringtone. Why? She didn't know. She didn't have a clue. So my dad and I were three hours into our four-hour trip. I always enjoyed riding the motorcycle. It was kind of relaxing. Um, I trusted him. He was a, is a safe driver, and I wasn't ever much worried about that. We stopped for a little McDonald's, a little bite to eat partway down, and my dad said something about, do you want to put on some gloves? And I said, nah, I don't need any gloves. And um, so that just kind of passed. That just kind of went on. So we finished our meal. We left about an hour from Branson. A man in a pickup truck turned in front of us, had no taillights, and of course it was raining. So my dad saw the pickup, but he saw it too late. And I remember hearing him say, I can't stop. And he slowed down, he thinks, to about 25 miles an hour. But we hit the pickup. I remember the impact, and I remember the strangest thing. I remember lying on the pavement, and the pavement felt soft under my right hand. It was almost velvety soft, or like a cloud or something. That will be significant to you here in a minute. I think you may figure out why I had this sensation. In the next instant, I remember jumping to my feet And I yelled out for my dad. Actually, I said daddy about three times, which is really strange because in my 50 years, I've never called him that in my life. I'm just dad. But I remember distinctly calling that out. And I got no response from him. And the next thing I heard were people saying, don't move him. Don't move him. And talking to him and saying, sir, you got to lay still. There was a lady by the name of Angel who was a nurse who came up on the scene of the accident. She was not real happy with me because I was standing up. Uh, She would have preferred that I had not been on my feet, but I was. So she helped me to the tailgate of a pickup, and I sat down, and I remember having the most clarity of mind that I have ever had in my life. I knew phone numbers. I knew enough to tell the people around me that my dad had earplugs in his ears because we always traveled with earplugs plus the helmet and that part of the reason he might not be able to hear them was because he was wearing earplugs. He was knocked unconscious for a short time and, as I say, was able to give phone numbers. The nurse called my wife, Stacy, and of course, Stacy answered her cell phone because she had the volume up and the ringtone changed, so she knew instantly it was her phone. So... My wife, my mom, and my sister begin heading to Chillicothe, which is kind of, I suppose, the halfway point. Not Well, not quite halfway, but about an hour and a half back from Kirksville. My brother-in-law then comes up from South Missouri and meets them in Chillicothe. So they kind of meet together, and then they start back our direction toward where my dad and I are. So they're on the road. My dad and I, of course, are taken by ambulance to the hospital, and... (laughs) 
in the ambulance, I remember him telling me, I'm sorry, son. And I'm like, Dad, um, you know, this wasn't exactly in the plan. We didn't exactly schedule this in the itinerary. You don't need to apologize. Not your fault. But that will always remain in my mind, I think. I knew he was hurt. I didn't know how badly. I knew for a fact my left hand was broken. I mean, it was all puffy and swollen and huge. So there was no doubt in my mind my left hand was broken. And my right ring finger, the end joint was swollen. It felt like a tennis ball was on the end of my finger. Didn't really hurt, interestingly enough. But man, I knew something was wrong with it, too. Didn't know it was broken, but I knew I knew it had a problem. So we got to the hospital, and uh, they began doing x-rays and the things that they do. I had to ask them three times to look at my right hand. They knew my left hand was broken. There was no question. But finally, after persisting, they x-rayed my right hand. They thought it was just jammed. But when they x-rayed my right hand, I had crushed the end joint. That would be the joint right behind my fingernail, on the ring finger of my right hand. And I had broken two bones in my left hand, um, kind of if you think up past the index finger, about midway up the hand, the two bones there close together. So my left hand was completely in a splint. My right hand, the ring finger, and my pinky were actually kind of taped together to stabilize that right hand. My pastor and some friends from our church had just happened to be at a conference in the area over the weekend. Oh, actually, earlier in the week, because this is Friday. This was, by the way, June the 13th. I don't think I mentioned that. So it was Friday the 13th. I don't believe in superstition. I'm not a superstitious person, but I will point out the Friday the 13th thing anyway. Uh, so my pastor and the friends came over to the hospital and he called my wife and said, oh, I, I think he's okay. I think his hands are just a little scratched. I don't think there's anything too serious there. And they kind of went on home, actually. My dad and I were in the hospital. They sent us to the cafeteria, which I find rather ironic. They were done with us in the ER, and they didn't want us in there anymore. So they gave my dad a morphine shot because um, they had to put his shoulder back in place, broke his collarbone. They said about three ribs, come to find out it was more like five on one side. And of course, being dad, he didn't think he wanted pain medication for them to set his shoulder back in place, but it didn't take him long to decide that, yeah, maybe he would take a little little morphine. So uh, we went to the cafeteria and I remember him almost falling out of his chair because he almost went to sleep. So I'm sitting there with my bandaged up hands trying to keep my dad awake, waiting on my wife and family to arrive, which they did fairly shortly. We literally went from the hospital, and we were kind of hungry, so we ate some Mexican food. <laughs> Just, again, it's crazy. Um, you're hurt. You you know could have died. You could have been brain injured. But instead, you're sitting in a Mexican food place with some bandages, but, you know, you're eating. Stopped by, got some pain medication, and then uh, went on home. The next few days were the beginning of some very, I guess, significant events in my life. First of all, everything stopped. The busy schedule, the roller coaster ride, the rat race came literally and figuratively to a screeching halt. I was not going to play a wedding in August. I didn't think anyway. I was not going to do a lot of things that I had planned to do. 
Another thing that I discovered is as a blind person with both hands in splints, I literally had the use of my thumb and two, my index and middle finger of my right hand. And that was it. I experienced the only thing I can describe as sensory deprivation in that situation. I was trapped. I literally, my hands were immobile. Couldn't see, couldn't use my my hands. If you think back to 2003, we didn't have quite as much technology back then as we do now, or at least I didn't. I had, um, I'm not even sure what I had in the way of technology, honestly. I'll have to think about that a little bit. But regardless, not a lot for me to do. It's interesting, you would think maybe I would have listened to a lot of sermons, you know, praise God, let's talk about healing and let's believe God. And I certainly did. I prayed and we prayed and we believed God. But I listened to praise and worship music for almost the entire time that I was in this state, which kind of makes sense. I'm a musician. That was what ministered to me. So that was on a Friday. On Monday, I saw my family doctor who kind of basically said what I already knew, which is, yeah, we're going to send you to an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, he might have to do surgery. So I did the whole faith thing. In Jesus' name, I'm not going to have to have surgery. No surgery. God's going to heal this thing, and it's going to, you know, you know how you do. You know how it's all going to work out, and you know, and you tell God exactly how it's going to be, because you've got it all figured out, right? And he needs our help sometimes. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. So, weekend, friends, neighbors stop by. Monday, I see the doctor. Tuesday, I go see the orthopedic surgeon. He looks at the x-rays that were taken at the hospital the day of the accident. And then, of course, he takes a set of his own. And when he looked at the original x-rays, he said, well, I don't think we're going to need to have surgery, you know. And, of course, I breathe a big sigh of relief. He comes back with the set of x-rays that he took, and he said to me, sometimes bones move, and when they do, they never move good. (laughs) So, in my case, my bones and my hands had moved. And he said, we're going to need to do surgery on you. And of course, that devastated me. I just thought that was horrible. Going to go in and put pins in your left hand and stick a pin in your right hand up underneath the fingernail. So that was on a Tuesday. So we left the city and my wife and I both have a lot of respect for a man named Barry Young. And Barry was Stacy's former youth pastor. She was a youth sponsor under him in Kirksville. And Barry has been associate pastor in several different churches, is currently a associate pastor in Oak Grove uh, New Life Assembly in Oak Grove, Missouri. Man of God, just a lot of fun to be around. Just one of those guys that has a magnetic personality. I mean, he just reaches out and grabs you as soon as you meet him. Doesn't know a stranger. But one of those guys, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone pray like this man prays. Because he will start in Genesis and he will quote scripture with references from Genesis to Revelation as he's praying over you. And every bit of it fits, every bit of it's in context, but he will find scriptures that, number one, I didn't even know were in the Bible. And number two, the ones I did know, I wouldn't have thought to use in that context. So it's a gift that God has given the man. So Stacy and I knew we needed to find Barry and talk to him just so happened Barry was at youth camp that week. So we drove to the campground, wasn't too far from where we were, had no idea how we were going to find Barry. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of teenagers, right? A bunch of teenagers camp, 
bunch of counselors. Who in the world, you know, would know how to find Barry? Walk into the campground. The first building we enter, Barry kind of comes around the corner. There he is. And of course, he prayed over us in Barry's style. And, and that's what I needed. I needed someone to just minister the word to me. When you're going through a trial, you need to be surrounded by people who know God. People give you lots of advice. It's all well-meaning, well-intentioned advice. But if a person doesn't know God, you can only do so much with that advice. But when you find someone that can connect up with the Spirit and can actually give you words that God would want you to hear, that's when that can get into your spirit and get into your mind and begin to minister to your physical body as needed. So we had from Tuesday to Friday to wait and to think and to talk and um, listen to praise and worship music. So Friday came, a friend of Stacy's that she taught school with went to the city with us. It was, if surgery could be pleasant, that almost was. The people were extremely professional, extremely nice. When they put me on the table, they said, we're going to put some I don't care medicine in your IV. And let me tell you, that stuff lived up to its name. (laughs) It didn't take me long to not care about anything. If you had told me that uh, nuclear warfare was about to break out, I would have just said, oh, praise God, let's go to heaven. I mean, that's about the extent of my uh, anxiety level at that point. So um, I vaguely remember Stacy crying as I was going into the operating room, but I really didn't care. I told her I'd be fine and she'd be fine and it was all going to be good. (laughs) And of course it was. Um, The doctor told her that the surgery would last about an hour and it lasted about an hour. He's an extremely good orthopedic surgeon, comes highly recommended. I've soon since learned. I came out of the surgery with no problem. I was in splints. I thought I was going to be in splints for, I don't know, six weeks or so. I don't know that he had really, actually what he told me was, would be about eight weeks before I was discharged. Uh, That's what he was anticipating. So I thought I would be in splints that entire time. Didn't really ask a whole lot of questions, apparently. I knew that in four weeks' time, there was a gentleman that was going to be at our church named Stanley Pramnath. Now, Stanley Pramnath was one of four people in the World Trade Center on 9-11 that was above where the planes hit, who actually survived. And he came to our church and he ministered to us that morning. And I told Stacy, I want to play in that service about four weeks away, about half the amount of time that I would have thought I would be able to. But I just knew that I wanted to. So she said, you know, okay, we can believe for that. We can pray about that. And I'd love to tell you that I was all spiritual and, you know, I just praised God for four weeks, kind of while I was recuperating. Truth of the matter was, I would wake up and The first thing I would think is, man, my hands are in splints. Can't do anything, can't go anywhere, can't touch anything. And I remember complaining about that one day to Stacy, and she, you know how your wife sometimes will really minister to you in a way that you need to be ministered to? And she said, you really should be thankful it wasn't your face. And she wasn't being mean. She wasn't being hateful. She was just pointing out to me that my situation was not nearly as bad as it could have been. Most people in serious motorcycle accidents are looking at brain injury, 
or death or months and months of physical therapy. Not many people that are in a serious motorcycle accident get up and go eat Mexican food the same night. So we went back for my checkup and um, I had been asking the doctors, like, am I going to have pain when I play the piano? What's that going to be like? And he said, I honestly can't tell you. I don't have any idea what your um, range of motion is going to be for sure. I think it's going to be pretty good. I can't tell you how much pain you're going to have. I have no way of knowing. Well, I'd already made up my mind I was going to play the piano if it hurt every note I played. I wasn't going to give up. Kind of a funny story about that. And um, Derek, our audio engineer for this podcast, will appreciate this because he's definitely also a musician. My left hand was completely immobilized. My right hand was, except for the pinky being taped to the ring finger, was fairly free. But of course, the, the ring finger had a splint on it and of course the pen in it. I literally could not think about playing the piano because if and when I did, that finger would involuntarily twitch. I wasn't moving it on purpose, but I the thought of playing would actually trigger muscles that would involuntarily move that finger, which is really kind of freaky, actually, a little bit. But uh, that happened. People would ask me, don't you miss playing the piano? Don't you wish you were up there playing? At that point in time, not really. I think God was just doing some things in me. I was needing to recognize that I was blessed. I was given a gift. Yeah, I did need to change my lifestyle. I did need to change my schedule, but the sense of drudgery needed to go away. I needed to do something about that. So I spent a lot of time soul searching. It's uh, kind of interesting when you're in that situation and you uh, go to church. I mean, they can quote John three sixteen and you'll cry. They can uh, read out of the phone book and you'll cry. When you're down and out, you are ready to listen to God, man. It's true. My pastor says sometimes we really don't get anything from God on the mountaintop. It's in the valley. I don't like that. I don't even want to agree with him on that. Unfortunately, I think more often than not, that's probably true. I don't think it has to be that way. I don't think it's God's best that it's that way, but we're human, and I think that's probably how it works out most of the time. When we're down and out, we're ready to listen to God. When we have it all together, when things are going great, we like to be in charge. So I went for my checkup. And the doctor took the splints off uh, just about four weeks. And I, again, was not anticipating them coming off that soon. I was shocked. And um, he then prescribed some physical therapy for me to kind of get my range of motion back. I went home. And a couple days later, I sat down at the piano at the house and just played just a few chords and a few notes. It's kind of an interesting uh, sensation because my hands were still very swollen. Instead of feeling like my hands were swollen, it felt like the keyboard was smaller than it should be. It felt like I was playing a half-size keyboard or something. It was a really odd sensation. I had no pain at all. The morning, well, first of all, my dad preaches on Thursday nights at a little mission here in town called House of Prayer Mission, and he's done that for Oh my goodness, 20 years, I guess. For about the last 15 or so, I've helped him with that little project. 
I like to say people all over the country ask me to do things and I do it. My dad only asks for one thing and I can't tell him no. I want to do that for him. So on Thursday nights, I go down and play for this little group of people. And so I played at the mission and played one song, I think. And of course he was, you know how dads would be. He felt bad about the accident and felt somehow responsible and the whole thing that you would expect a guy to feel. Um, You ladies know how us guys are. Anyway, but he saw that I was okay and that I was going to be able to play. Well, the Sunday morning that Stanley Pramnath came to church, we had a lady that played the piano, but I set my keyboard up and played some strings and just real nice laid back, kind of layered some things in on what they were doing. So I was able to be on the platform and play for the service. When I was doing physical therapy and when the doctor and I would visit, the one thing he guaranteed me was that I would have arthritis. Couldn't guarantee me that I'd have range of motion. Couldn't guarantee me that I'd be able to play the piano. Couldn't guarantee me anything, but he guaranteed me I'd have arthritis in my hands. That's been 10 years ago, and thank God I do not have arthritis in my hands. I do not have pain. About the only thing I ever have is sometimes in my left hand, when it gets cold, that hand will stiffen up a little more quickly maybe than the other hand in the top of my hand's got scar tissue in it on what you would expect and of course the calcification where the bone heals you know how that is if you've broken a bone but no pain i have 100 percent range of motion in my left hand the end joint on my right ring finger doesn't bend all the way so when i make a fist that one joint sticks out a little bit and so that's the extent of the range of motion loss in my right hand If I was a classical pianist, that might be a problem, but I'm not, and I am able to play, I'm able to minister, I'm able to do the things that I do. A couple of funny stories, and then I'll kind of wrap this up just a little bit. I always teased when I was in the splints that I was going to write a book entitled All the Things You Can Do with Three Fingers, because that's literally what I had. I discovered that when uh, it was time to eat barbecued ribs, you put a plastic bag on that hand, and then you can pick those ribs up, and heck, you can pick up the baked potato, for that matter, and go to town. And that hand's in that baggie, so it's all protected, and everything's good that way. Yeah, my wife did have to kind of help feed me a a little bit at first, but uh, after a while, I got to where I could actually do quite a bit with that limited hand. When I was in physical therapy uh, one day, the therapist was asking me, you know, as she was manipulating my fingers, and they were quite good, by the way. I had some excellent uh, occupational, I actually worked with occupational therapy more than physical. Physical is more gross motor uh, joints, you know, knees and shoulders and stuff like that, but with fingers and hands, more occupational therapy. Um, so the, uh, the OT was asking me one day what my pain scale was as she was squeezing the, uh, ring finger. And I told her about a five and she squeezed a little harder. And I said, well, congratulations, you just hit a seven. And she laughed and told me that she had never had anyone say that to her before in all the time she'd been doing therapy. So to kind of wrap this up, I can honestly say my life has changed. I do get busy like everyone else. I do have times that I get tired, but I can honestly before God say that I have never lapsed back into that grumpy, critical, hateful time of my life that I was in at that point. I really do appreciate each day. I really do appreciate the ability to do what I do. If I need to say no to someone, I can say no to people now. I can tell them I'm not available. 
They don't have to know that means I'm going to have date night with my wife. That's none of their business. <laughs> Just not available. But God has given me back what I had plus the ability to be thankful for what I have. I have never been back on a motorcycle. I don't have a fear of it. It's just kind of like eating cottage cheese. I don't like cottage cheese, and I don't want to eat cottage cheese. I don't want to ride a motorcycle again. (laughs) The one thing I'm concerned about is that if my dad would slam on the brakes, you know, legitimately, just have to put on the brakes quickly, I am concerned that I might kind of have a little relapse there and flail around a little and kind of throw things off. But I just really, truly don't have a desire to ride, and he's never asked me to. He still rides, and he still loves it. And... um in the emergency room, he was worried about his bike and what he's going to do to get it fixed. But uh, he still takes some road trips. So, do I think God scheduled a motorcycle accident for me? No, I really don't. I don't think God works that way. I personally believe God has good for us. The scripture that's on your screen, and I only chose one tonight, is that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. That's King James. I love other translations, but every time I quote scripture, I always go back to King James. I guess that's just how I was raised. I could have used John 10.10, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I believe Satan was involved in there some, but I really believe God was involved more. And I can honestly say that looking back at that time in my life, I don't see the bad. I don't see the accident. I don't see the weeks of being in splints. I don't see the despair or the fear. I see God's grace and God's healing power and his protection and his willingness to teach us in every situation that we are in. And that's my testimony. Wow, that was awesome. It really does strike home with many of us who've been through trials and have been there and kind of shaken our fist about our circumstances. And, you know, a lot of people ask, well, how involved is God in things? And I don't know. It's one of those mysteries, you know, did, did God cause that? Does God just kind of take advantage of the situation? You know, if we have free will, And I tell people, I don't think humanity has free will. Free will is uh, creating your own thing out of nothing. It's like the joke about the guy who told God he wanted to uh, build his own man. And God said, okay, we'll have a competition. And guy reaches down and grabs a handful of dirt and says, God, no, no, no. You start with your own dirt. (laughs) You know, make your own dirt. So we don't have free will. I think that we have a multiplicity of choices that God sets in place for us. So if you do this, this happens. If you do that, that happens. And a, a chain of events happens that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit and the wisdom and the guidance of his word, really impress upon us. This is how this situation, how I'm going to apply it to your experience and what I'm going to bring to your remembrance and how the word of God is living and active and how it can really just kind of mold itself into whatever situation we're in. Because, I mean, here, there are so many lessons here. As as you were talking, I felt like jumping in, like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, it's like this. And like, oh, man, 
especially with the doctor, isn't that just like the enemy, man, to always yeah. bring you that bad report? I can guarantee you you're going to have, you know, yep. really, well, why wouldn't you guarantee me a good report? <laughs> right. You know why? Because, and this is the cynic in me, of course, because you can't sue him for that. You know what you do, right. Jamie? Wait till you're about 70 and then uh-huh. sue him. He said I was going to get arthritis and I, I never don't did. have it. <laughs> so therefore, that's funny. Malpractice. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I would keep claiming that over my life. I am yeah. thanking you, Lord, because I am arthritis free. And, uh, you know, Jamie, we heard about you playing piano and I have never heard you play. And I don't think uh, our audience has. And you have a recording for us tonight. And where is this recording from? This is actually something I did at, at my church. And um, I apologize for the fact for you audiophiles, the piano is not perfectly in tune, but uh, we'll work on that. But I'm going to play the song for you. I'll let you hear the song. The first thing that I played when my splints were off and I played it at church and it's a praise chorus. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. One of my favorite choruses. was awesome dude thank you so much for sharing that with us jamie i think of my chains are gone i've been set free you know when you talk about your splints and how they came off and they came off early you know what a great god we serve and what a wonderful thing in the fact that you know this isn't one of those walking on water testimonies or whatever it's just an average guy who had an average experience where god showed up and to you this is a huge thing to others. This is a huge, you know, to people who are in this situation and how the varied experiences that we have, you know, you hear about these great testimonies, you know, where the earth shook and, you know, and the skies parted and the voice of God. And, and here 
you're just living your life, man. And God came in and did it. And what he does for you, he'll do for any of us. God is not a respecter of persons. God only has sons and daughters, doesn't have any grandkids. And thank you so much for sharing with us. And we do invite you to share your testimonies with us. Your testimonies are just as important as ours. You know, we want to hear what God is doing in your life. We'd like to uh, see your emails uh, to info at blindjesusfreak.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We don't suggest that you send your testimonies over Twitter, though. It would be very, very lengthy. But at Blind Jesus Freak, or you can visit us on the blog at www.blindjesusfreak.com and post your testimony up there, both audio and written. And we really would like to hear from you. Again, Jamie, thanks so much for sharing with us tonight. Thank you. I really appreciate being able to go back and and relive that and, and experience that again 10 years later. So thank you for that opportunity. Hey, it's really been a blessing. And hey, until next week, where we're going to have an amazing teaching, I hope, because God is going to do it. Um, but until next week, hey, Jamie, if you got to be a freak about something, everybody's a freak about something. Be a freak about Jesus. See ya. Thank you for checking out the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast with your host, Mike Calvo, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment and you made it this far, we see you stuck around. If you learned something, we invite you to add us to your favorite podcasting software and make us a part of your regular biblical studies. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yes, the pun is totally intended, so stop being politically correct and let's just relate to one another as God's kids. For more information about this ministry, visit us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com and learn how easy it is for you to connect with us and a bunch of other Jesus Freaks on your favorite social networks. Remember, everybody's a freak about something. Join us and be a freak about Jesus. After all, he's crazy about you.